This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. All right, it's 326 here on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for tuning in on this Tuesday afternoon. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is Colby Daniels. And we're going to hit up the hotline right now and welcome in a guest who uh, it's been a while since I've had a chance to talk to, but he's former sports agent, NFL contract, salary cap expert, and writer. You can check out some of his cap articles at CBS Sports, uh, cbssports.com. He is Joel Corey joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Joel, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon, man. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Um, It's an interesting time that we find ourselves in around this time of the year with everyone going back to camp and guys either holding out and and hoping for new deals and maybe some of those happen like we just saw one today out of Dallas. But before we get into what some individuals are doing, I would love your thoughts on what the last couple of weeks have looked like where it's almost been like a – hey, let's wrap our arms around each other as a group of running backs and sing Kumbaya with the way that the CBA has worked out and really kind of a coming to terms with what what their status is in terms of how the market is for running backs. This has been happening now for a number of years, and it finally felt like that the bottom fell out with everyone, with a, a large number of players at one time. So just some of your general thoughts on the running back market and all of these guys kind of coming together over the last couple of weeks. Well, it's unfortunate that the NFL has become more of a pass-happy league and the running back doesn't have – the high-end running back doesn't have the same importance. Teams are acting rationally. They're allocating resources to what they feel are more premium positions. The running back market really bottomed out in 2016. You had no $10 million per year running backs after having two beginning in 2011. Um, Adrian Peterson at $14.2 million per year. And Chris Johnson at just under um, $13.5 million. Devontae Freeman was the highest paid running back at $8.25 million per year in 2017. And it started making a comeback in 2018. That being said, um, Michael Pittman Jr., the Colts, Run, uh, wide receiver who was 6'4", 220, had the right idea. His dad played running back in the NFL. He's a wide receiver. He will make more on his con- next contract than Jonathan Taylor, who led the league in rushing in 2021, because he's a wide receiver and not a running back. Incredible, isn't it, how we've how we've got to this point? Uh, is, is, there, is there ever a time where you see that with the way that things work and coming around in full circles that we actually view these guys as, as undervalued and that we see a bounce back, or is this just the path forward, especially under the current rules of the CBA? It's probably the path forward and its origins trace back to the mid nineties when Terrell Davis was a six round pick. Uh, he became the best running back in the league, starting the theory. You can find a running back anywhere. Denver won two Super Bowls with him being the focal point of the offense, and he gets hurt, and they still make the playoffs with no-name guys, Landis Gary and Mike Anderson. That started teams thinking, yeah, maybe we don't really need a running back that's a high-priced guy. Because Davis had been highest-paid player after he signed, after the two Super Bowls, then didn't pan out. Short career ends up in the Hall of Fame. That was really the origin of the thinking. And we've seen that the Colts, not the Colts, the Chiefs last year, benched the first-round running back for a seventh-round running back and didn't miss a beat. 
so when you when you saw the guys starting to become more vocal, whether that's on social media, uh, talking about how they exchanged phone numbers and were jumping on Zoom meetings with each other, I mean, it it sparked several debates, not only on social media but on sports talk radio shows all across the country. And I think the majority of of everyone, you know, reached out to someone that either had experience. Uh, or that had spent a significant time in the league. And m- most everyone has said, well, hey, now's maybe not the time. We understand how you feel about the scenario, but there's really nothing that you can do about it. If you want a different future, you have to bargain for it. You have to go to the table when the new CBA is signed. But unfortunately, that one was signed, what, in 2020, Joel? So we've got a while now before something like this happens. And it's not like that the owners are just willing to relinquish things that they've already had that have been written in stone for years. Yeah, this CBA runs past this, this decade, so he got a long wait, and all the guys that are now playing will be long retired. Um, yeah, hypothetically, let's say that the NFLPA pushes the league to do something for running backs. They're going to have to make a substantial concession, which will be to the detriment of players at other positions. So I don't see that happening. There's really running backs are caught between a rock and a hard place. There have been people who suggest they should organize a mass walkout. Yeah, sound, sounds great in theory, but in practice, <laughs> how's that going to work? You're going to have your guys, who, fringe guys, go, you know what, that's all well and good. You guys uh, who are established, have your walkout. I'm going to establish myself by being there to play. Yeah. So it's, it's not, there's really not any type of solution I see coming anytime soon you're going to have to have the one high price running back probably make a difference in a super bowl nfl is a copycat league and then maybe you would start to see some team think yeah, you know what or maybe you're a piece away and you go we'll pay for the running back and maybe he gets us over the hump but other than that i don't really see anything that's going to move the needle for running backs so that gets me to my question then about Saquon Barkley, because Saquon comes today and then comes to terms with the Giants on a one-year deal, gives him a chance to to beat the franchise tag. Now, I say chance, and the devil's always in the details on that, gets his $2 million signing bonus, and then I see stories that are saying like how you know Saquon, who was kind of the ringleader in this with voicing his opinions on this and jumping on Zoom call, and the next thing you know he signs. But to your point, I don't know what the hell else Saquon Barkley was supposed to do. What so set out the entire year? Like that's acceptable. He loses a year off of his playing life, and then who knows what happens after he sits out a year? I I felt like he was in a really tough spot. Yeah, it's very easy to spend somebody else's money when it's not your money. Um, <laughs> he's gonna play. Uh, he's gonna play football this year. And the most likely scenario was him playing on his tag. Him missing five hundred losing $560,000 for each week that he doesn't play, that doesn't make sense economically. Now, he did get something that you haven't seen since 2005. He's got $900,000 worth of incentives in his contract, so potentially he can make more than the tender. Uh, The thresholds are high. Then some people are like, well, he could have gotten that in early September. Well, he's got to know, for him, He's got to know what makes sense for him to come in to be ready to play. You see a lot of franchise players, before they sign their tender, boycott part of training camp. Jesse Bates came in after the second preseason game last year in Cincinnati when he said he'd never play on his tender. 
um, getting a clause where they can't tag you again, easier said than done. Last time that was done was 2019, Jadavion Clowney. But he had to take a million less than his franchise tender to get it. Then you go back to the last time you had it without any conditions was in 2006, Nate Clemens and Jeff Bacchus. You did have Albert Hainsworth in 2008 get one, but he had to play a certain amount of percentage of plays, and then the Titans had to be a certain place defensively. So it's not, that's not an easy clause to get either. So if Saquon Barkley is going to play football this year, he, he did about his, uh, the best he could do. It was just a question of when he wanted to sign. Missed part of training camp or be there from day one, and he felt being there from day one was beneficial. Last one I have on the running backs. What type of impact is this going to have of the future? You brought up Michael Pittman Jr., smart to play wide receiver. Um, sometimes I think that we can jump to conclusions on things, but with the way that they are viewed at the NFL level, what type of an impact does this have on the trickle-down effect through, through football in general with the running back position? Well, I'm a high school kid. If I'm a freshman in high school and they tell me you can be a running back or receiver, I'm catching passes just because I have a chance of getting paid on a third contract. The running backs have a hard time getting a second contract, but the, uh, but Devontae Adams is on his second big deal after his rookie contract. I can play longer, and I don't take the punishment at a wide receiver as I do as a running back. We even saw several years ago Chris Peterson at Washington said Shaq Thompson was probably better running back than linebacker, and he was like, oh, no, 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 I'm playing linebacker. He ended up signing a deal about $14 million per year. As a linebacker, he wouldn't have gotten that as a running back. Let's move on as uh, Joel Corey joins us here on the Blitz 1170. Uh, I did want to spend some time on Chris Jones. Uh, $30 million per year. It seemed to be a little bit of maybe people surprised that he was asking for a number like $30 million. But as we've talked about on the show, I think you can make the argument one, not only was that dude one of the best interior defensive linemen in the entire league last year, Kansas City. No, not, put, not one of, was the yeah, best last year. And, and and Kansas City doesn't add that second ring with, without him last year with how dominant that he was. So $30 million, I'm not really surprised by that number at all. That seems to be right in line with what his value is. Well, Kansas City spoiled from the fact that they got their two best players, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelce, to do team-friendly deals. Not every player is like those two guys. majority of players don't think like that. Now, the interior defensive lineman market, the top of it is Aaron Donald at $31.6 million per year, and there's a big gap down to Quentin Williams at $24 million. Last year, Chris Jones was better than, than Aaron Donald, when they both were on the field, Donald had the ankle injury, missed several games. Um, so if I'm uh, Chris Jones, I was a uh, finalist for defensive player of the year last year. I uh, wouldn't have been surprised if his initial starting point was more than Aaron Donald. Him asking for 30, that to me is reasonable. In, 20, in 2020, when he signed, Aaron Donald was a 22.5, highest paid interior defensive lineman. He signed for 20. He's probably better or closer to Aaron Donald when Aaron Donald's healthy now than he was then. To me, it's got it's, the worst case would be the midpoint for him to sign um, between Quentin Williams and Aaron Donald, and that puts you right about 28. To me, I don't see a problem with him targeting 30. I don't think he gets there, but I don't 
think he should sign for anything less than 28. They can't stick a franchise tag on him next year. Well, they can, but it's impractical. The way that the uh, rules work for the 120% increase is going to be $33.6 million. So, practically, you can't tag him. I'm curious what you think about Dalvin Cook's situation. The timing, obviously, for him is awful. Um, is is somebody going to get a heck of a deal with him being a, a free agent and not even having like the tag situation that those other guys have? Well, if someone wanted to pay him his $10 million he was supposed to make uh, in Minnesota, they'd have traded for him. Anytime you see a player who is a free agent say, I'm going to take my time before signing, that means nobody's willing to pay your asking price. <laughs> Otherwise, you would have been signed by now. Um, what doesn't help him is Joe Mixon took a pay cut to $5.7 million per year. Um, so he's probably going to be in that same ballpark. If he could get seven out of one plus incentives, he should probably take it. Um, it's probably six uh, and above plus incentives. If he's looking for eight, nine, ten, he may need to have an injury or two at running back for that to happen. Uh, the other one that I have uh, before we move on to a different position uh, in regards to the Cowboys is what's this to you? What's the starting number for Nick Bosa in San Francisco? Highest paid non-quarterback in football, which means more than Aaron Donald. Um, he's got the same agent as his brother. Um, his brother became the highest paid non-quarterback in 2020, got an 8% increase over uh, Miles Garrett. The ink was barely drawing that deal. You applied 8% increase to uh, Aaron Donald, you're basically like $34.25 million. I'd be looking for 35 if I'm him. I don't want to be the first $35 million per year, million per year non-quarterback. I don't think it gets to that point. I'd be shocked if it was less than $33 million per year. And it's been kind of rumbling that they're going to get that deal done uh, relatively soon. I know today they said, hey, he's he's not here today because we're going through contract negotiations, but it didn't seem like that there was anything that they were going to be uh, a massive hang-up on. And the last one for me is on Zach Martin with the Cowboys. You know, the market has changed drastically since the last time that Zach Martin got, got his money, uh, and he's looking now and saying, wait a minute, I've stacked this many number of years of all-pro type player uh, potential future Hall of Famer on, on top of this. Um, now here we are. I'm, I'm woefully underpaid at this level. Does this get done, in your opinion, with Zach Martin in Dallas? Well, he's got two years left on his contract. He didn't show up today, so that's a, a mandatory $50,000 uh, fine, and that's for each day he misses, and it can't be waived or reduced. Nobody told him to sign a six-year deal. It's an extension. Dallas likes these long extensions. That's why you don't sign him. Dallas is lucky Tyron Smith's been hurt because he signed an eight-year extension. That would have been an even bigger problem the way the left tackle market has changed. Um, I know they had several guys that they were planning on doing. C.D. Lamb has two years left on his contract. Mm -hmm. has never gotten paid. Um, Terrence Steele, he's in a contract year. Maybe if I'm Dallas, I try to sell Zach Martin on the idea that we can add some incentives that are not likely to be earned and or we'll move money from your salary next year into this year. That's some of the things that teams have done when they don't want to pay, give the guy a new contract. They'll try to do a Band-Aid approach and see if Martin will bite on that one. The last time the Cowboys had a major holdout, Dallas ended up caving 
and that was Ezekiel Elliott. We'll see if uh, how how much of resolve Martin has. As a former agent, Joel, do do teams have reputations as being one of uh, certain teams that are more likely to cave than others? That you know that you can take them to a certain distance, and you feel like that. Not saying that you've got them in your back pocket, but the likelihood of that happening uh, with certain franchises are more for others than than maybe some other spots. Well, the twenty twenty CBA pretty much we have two guys holding out and incurring fifty thousand dollars per day fine, uh, Jones and Martin, but that was pretty much effectively ended the holdout until this year and you had to hold in where you go in and you don't do anything until they pay you. Um, It's more you look at teams and it's like this team treats this thing harshly. They are very rigid. You can try to hold out with this team, but you're beating your head up against the wall. The better the player you have and the more that he's needed, the more likelihood there is that you could actually get a new contract out of a holdout. I experienced two holdouts that were pretty lengthy. One was pretty nasty about 20 years ago with Keenan McCardell, ended up in a trade. Another one for former Cowboy that most people don't realize played for the Cowboys, Jimmy Smith, lasted through all the training camp. Uh, he got paid in Jacksonville. But you need to have the player have a lot of conviction for a holdout to be successful, most of them, the player fails. I had a team exec once tell me, don't say anything antagonistic about a holdout because it's probably not going to work, and you got to give him a way to save face and come back in the locker room. Mm. Trayvon Diggs signed the five-year $97 million contract today with Dallas. How do you view that deal? Um, surprised it's not $20 million per year or more, given the amount of interceptions he had a couple of years ago. I know it was more consistent as a player last year, not so boom or bust, but you got three guys making $20 million per year or more, two signed last year, Denzel Ward, uh, Jair Alexander. I thought Diggs would be the third. At least he didn't do a six-year extension. Joel, good stuff, man. Always appreciate you uh, for taking time to join us here in Tulsa, man. We'll have to do this again soon. Keep up the great work, man, and we'll definitely be in touch. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. That is a former NFL agent and now writes for CBS Sports, cbssports.com. Joel Corey, you can follow him on Twitter. I already made a mistake. You can follow him on X. I guess that's what we're calling it now. I can't really remember. I will not. Or have any care whatsoever. I'm going to dead name that thing for probably the the rest of I'm not doing it. I'm not ever going to call that X. Yeah. You, uh, you, You good with the... $97 $97 million deal, because I saw what we're at. Only 42 of it is is guaranteed, I believe. Yeah, I think it works, right? I it mean, does. Because they point, know. They know how many big deals they have coming up. That's right. And to his point, I think the expectation was probably that you were going to have to pay more. And you knew you are going to have to pay the guy, period. So, uh, yeah, I think it works for both sides. And You've got CeeDee Lamb coming up. You've got Micah Parsons after that. And you're going to have to start shelling out a bunch of cash. And, yeah, I I think it works out. Trayvon Diggs in with a five-year extension. Boy, he's right. Cowboys do love themselves some extensions five, six years at a time, same way that they got uh, Zach Martin. All right, it's 345 here on the Blitz 1170. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Uh, we're a tad bit behind, so we'll go ahead and combine here. Colby will take over the hosting responsibilities next, live from the Ike Shelley House Studios, serving four generations of Tulsans since 1908. And don't forget, we're always streaming live at theblitztulsa.com and on the Blitz 1170 app.
Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.